0: Hello, and welcome to The Pursuit, a podcast about pursuing the greater things in life. My name is Taylor. My
1: My name is Adam.
0: And I just want to start off by saying thank you to everyone who sent in suggestions for this podcast. We have had so many amazing ideas about topics that we should pursue. Um, In particular, there's one topic that was brought up several times, actually the same topic, the pursuit of purpose versus passion. I think this is a pretty, pretty profound topic, and I thought I'd open it up to Adam to uh, explore the intricacies of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Yeah, thank you, thank you to those of you that that requested this, and it really was cool to get a lot of feedback. And what we want to start off with today is a few sort of parables that really lay this out perfectly. And so the first one is this idea of, of three, three bricklayers. And these are, these are carpenters or bricklayers. And one day uh, a wandering journeyman came across these three bricklayers working and, and he asked, what are you, what are you doing? And the first bricklayer said, I'm, I'm here laying these bricks. Uh, the second one responded and said, oh, "I'm I'm building a church," and the third one responded, "I'm building the house of God." And this this is sort of this this perfect idea, and it really ties in well to this concept from last from our last episode around meaning. You can see that for each one of these people, they they had sort of a different a different concept and a different meaning of, of what they were doing with their, with their hands, with their time, with their energy. And for the first, he, he sort of looked at it as a, as just a job. He was just laying bricks, just setting them there. And, and the second one, well, he was, he was building a church and, you know, maybe he used to build houses and, and maybe someday after, Building a church, maybe he can go to to big skyscrapers that are a hundred a hundred stories tall, and that's more of sort of a, a career. He's on sort of a, a career path, and then we've got this idea of a calling. The third one is saying that he's building he's building the house of God, and and maybe for some of us it would be really difficult to say how am I just putting one brick down and then another brick down and then another brick down? How is that really building the house of God? But there was a certain way that he was experiencing it and there was a certain way he was looking at it that really gave him a sense of, of deep, deep meaning and deep sort of alignment between his beliefs, his values. And sort of a personal and emotional connection to, to what he was doing. And another, another story that's really powerful here. And this again, sort of highlights the idea of purpose is when John F. Kennedy, you know, a while after he had made his, his speech about going to the moon and that uh, by the end of the decade in the, in the sixties that America would, would send a man to the moon. He made a trip to go visit a, a NASA facility. And when he was taking a tour of the facility, he, he ran into a, a man that was sort of cleaning up and mopping the floor. And, and very sort of innocently, JFK asked him what his job was at NASA. And this, this man simply responded, I'm helping send a man to the moon. And again, this is sort of powerful because very few people these days let's say they're they're sort of a, a janitor or something like that, and they're just they're just cleaning and to sort of feel so connected to what you're doing to be able to say, "Well, what I'm doing is helping send a man to the moon that's that's really that's really a connection to purpose, and to some degree, many of us are looking for this sense of fulfillment, the sense of contentment, the sense of purpose or meaning in our lives. But again, this idea of we're looking for it, we're searching for it. And so my first, my first sort of question for our audience, and I'll pose it to you, Taylor, is, you know, what is, what is, what is this idea here of, of sort of, we're looking for it, we're searching for it. How do we, how do we sort of find this this purpose what do you what do you think
0: yeah man uh and you know an idea that i brought up in the last episode was the concept of an 18 year old graduates high school heads to college and uh is searching for meaning. right i'm gonna i'm gonna phrase this in the vein of passion for the moment i think a lot of young people especially people of of our generation younger so millennials and and Gen Z uh, individuals who are really searching for passion. They're searching for something that they view as as the the joy of their life, and they want to get paid doing it. And I see so many young people jump into college just searching for what they enjoy to do. And they spin their wheels, and they spin their wheels, and they cannot figure out what it is they want to do. So they're undeclared. They're an undeclared major as a freshman. And perhaps they become undeclared their second year as well. And then by their, their junior year, I guess they'll go into communications or business. And this isn't everyone, right? This isn't everyone. Uh, but those aren't necessarily things they want to do. And they sort of are directionless. They don't have any, any guidance. They don't have that mentorship to say, hey, listen. You don't just find passion. You don't just find it. You, know, you, have, to, you have to continue living your life, and passion comes. What, what, is it, what do you say to the 18-year-old out there that is searching for that passion, and they, they walk in circles because they can't, uh, they can't quite find it? And they say, I don't want to just pursue a job that just makes me money if I don't enjoy it, which is true. You shouldn't do that but what kind of guidance and advice would you say? You've worked with many fraternities uh, and you've worked with many people that have uh, approached this, this line of logic. So what, what are your, what are your suggestions to these people? Yeah, it's
1: a, that's a great question. <clears throat> you know, I think for each person there is, there's a, there's a journey that they are on as they're going through life. And, for so many of us, and I, I, I bet for you, Taylor, and I don't want to speak for you, but I can speak for myself and say, I, I personally found that uh, the journey was sort of long and winding and, and awfully confusing, and you know, you get this idea that some people at a very young age they know that they want to to be a doctor, or they know that they want to be a dentist, or they know that they want to be uh, a basketball player, or they, they know that they want to be a, uh, a musician or an artist. And myself, myself excluded from that group. I, I didn't really have any sort of clue really what I wanted to do. I, I knew what I enjoyed. I, I enjoyed uh, playing sports. I enjoyed playing basketball. I enjoyed reading books, um, I enjoyed, uh, movies and, uh, we both enjoyed, uh, video games at different points in our lives. And, and, but again, this, this idea of, okay, well, what do you want to do with your life versus what do you enjoy is a really sort of, um, I, I believe it's essentially a paradox and it's a little bit like you, you, you alluded to it there, I believe that this is really sort of a paradox as with many things to, to being human and in the human experience. The fact that there's, there's some old quotes or old sayings around in order to fulfill yourself, you have to forget yourself in order to find yourself. You have to lose yourself. And in this sense too, I know that many people are looking for, for, Happiness. They're looking to sort of maybe they want to find their purpose, or they want to want to be happy, um, or they want to be sort of uh, living a good life. And and as with many things to to the human the human experience, this is not so straightforward. And there really is something sort of ironic and paradoxical here, where again if you're actually looking to be happy, shooting for happiness is not really going to sort of give you happiness. Maybe for example, when you give away happiness, you make people laugh, you make people smile. I know Taylor, one of the big things for you back, back in high school was you loved, you loved telling jokes and you loved making people smile. And, and this idea that, Actually, there's there's sort of an, an irony and a paradox here that if you're searching for for your for your purpose, if you're searching for happiness, uh, if you're searching for um, these sort of things, you're you're going to have a hard time. You're going to have a hard time finding it. And and in this way, I, I, I like to the quick example I like to give on this is this idea of Have you ever have you ever tried to uh, fall asleep at night and you just can't do it? You're just sort of laying there, and uh, for some reason, it's 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 one of these nights where you just can't really fall asleep. And now it's been 20 minutes, and now it's been 30 minutes, and now you've lost track of time because it's it's taken it's taken so long. Now you're starting to say to yourself, or speak to yourself in your mind, and through your thoughts. Come on, just fall asleep. And oh, come on, why can't I fall asleep? And I need to go to sleep. And I have a lot to do tomorrow. I need to get good sleep. It's real, sleep is really important. And of course, when you're shooting for sleep, it's not going to happen. You're not. You're not going to get it. And the idea here, same with purpose, passion, these sort of things. These are actually uh, somewhat paradoxically, these are byproducts. Of other things and so if you're looking for good sleep one example might be well you you have a busy day you have a you go and exercise and and then you put on you turn down the lights you put on some candles and you turn on some relaxing music and the byproduct of all of these things is a good night's sleep and and so I guess Taylor you know from your from your experience what has what your experience been personally with this sort of paradox of, of purpose?
0: Yeah, man. You know, I, uh, as you were saying, that it makes you think that purpose and passion, they're intertwined. And in fact, how similar are they? And I think that they are very similar. And at the end of the day, and this is my own personal experience, I'm not saying that you need to answer both questions at the same time, but in a way you kind of can. And what I can say is that I've received and attained the most joy in my life being connected to a community. When you are contributing something to a group, when you are contributing something to a society, a a foundation, and you feel like what you are doing is worthwhile... That you are really giving something to that group. You, you feel joy. You feel like what you are doing matters. That is purpose to a T. And when you are doing that and you feel that your contribu- uh, contributions are, are creating a better society, a better group, a better people, then you feel passionate about that you feel passionate about that and when you find that you finally belong in some kind of society man that's that's it that that really is it cuz as much as we want to make this a selfish question right i talk about the college student trying to find this or that it starts with such a selfish line of thinking saying i want to find what makes me happy what makes me passionate what makes me find a purpose? And yet, at the end of the day, it is when you do something for someone else when it, that it makes you happy. And I, I went into healthcare because I want to make other people happy. I give Christmas gifts to my family. And I put so much thought into every gift that I give them because I want to see them smile. And how many times do you see during Christmas or any other time, birthdays perhaps, that you receive a gift and you think, oh, that's really, really nice. But when you give a gift to someone else and you see them smile, man, that, that, is, that is it. Uh, you don't get much more happy than that. that. That is this most incredible feeling that you cannot replace. And you could talk about friend groups. When you make a joke out loud to your friend groups and they all laugh, it feels good, doesn't it? It does. It does. And that is a contribution to that group. When you do a successful project or deliver on an end goal in your business and they are rewarding you with praise, that feels good because you've contributed something to that group. It's the tribal theory in a way. You want to feel belong. We are a social creature. Humans, I have always been this way. And you want to be accepted into a group. And when you finally feel like you belong, that is the most incredible feeling that you can ever possess. And I mean, I could just end the podcast there. <laughs> I know you got more things to say, Adam. But I just feel like it starts with community. It starts. I, I start. To, I could open the podcast saying that, quite frankly, because that's it to me. That's 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 why I went into medicine. That's why you want to be a life coach. We want to help other people. So, what? Tell me more, man. Do you don't you don't you feel my vibes? What are you, what are you <laughs> feeling right now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's really. It's really compelling. Again, this, this idea, I love this quote of so sort of, again, to, to, to fulfill yourself, you have to forget yourself to find yourself. You have to lose yourself. And and this is something that is so key because when you, when you find a a cause or a community, Or even, even a love or a passion or a purpose uh, or a partner. If you can essentially forget yourself and lose yourself in these, in these tasks, in these people, in this, in this organization, in this cause, when you lose yourself and your, I hate to, I hate to call it selfish, but in some ways that's what it is. When you, when you put aside your, your ego, your pride and your selfish sort of wants and needs and desires and, and these sort of things, and you literally lose yourself to, to whatever it is. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you have to completely become sort of um a servant or, or even more extremely like a slave to a cause or to other people, but you know you can, you can sort of direct yourself into a, into a line or into a field that, that really speaks to you. But when you can lose yourself to that, the, the amount of, of joy and the amount of just contentment and fulfillments with what you're doing, it's, it's really profound. Right. And, oh, you know, I'll, I'll jump into, I'll jump into sort of this, this thought of again, what, what I guess, Taylor for you, I'd love to hear, you know, did you have a, a moment where, where you can really, I mean, maybe it wasn't an exact moment in time, but maybe it was an experience or maybe it was even a, a six month Period, or or an internship, or something. Did you have a moment where you really sort of lost yourself, and and you know, in a funny sort of way, you found your?
0: Yeah. Um, So I was a I was a hospice volunteer for about for about nine months. It was a it was a big part of my life for a while, and the entirety. What what a hospice is is you 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 six months. Less of living, essentially, and you are placed into a comfort home, and you you live the rest of your days in the in the, in the best way you can, in comfort. So I was a volunteer, so I'd sit with the hospice patients and, and just be there with them. And you know, doing that, that is that is just losing yourself. I felt like, you know, I'm not saving any lives here, but I was I was with them. In a moment where a lot of these people had no one. They're, they're sitting alone. They don't have any family. Not, not, not the patients that I was seeing. And a lot of these people just had no one to talk to. And being able to just sit by someone's side while they are going through this, this the traumatic emotional endeavor, that the, the joy that you get, you feel like you're, you're doing something. And it's sad and it's heartbreaking. And a lot of times I would come home just distraught. If I lost a patient, I I would just feel, you know, you, you build a relationship with these people and it doesn't last. And at the same time, I could walk away saying, hey, I was able to be there for that person. And sometimes I would sit there for an hour and we wouldn't say anything. I would just sit there and hold their hand. And sometimes that's all you need to to create a contribution. And, you know, Adam, you brought up uh, the concept of servant a little while ago. And I remember there was a book that you made me read. This is four years ago. Uh, I know you probably remember the, the author, but I quite don't. But uh, it's called The Servant. Um, and the concept of the book is about service, uh, servant, servant leadership, right? where you are a leader but you lead by serving others, and when you are in charge of an organization or you are in charge of a family, uh, what does it mean to be a leader? Right? We can go into that uh, in so many details. But if you are a leader and you lead by serving others first, from a bottom-up perspective, you are you're creating this joy in your life, and you're seeing other people succeed. Because there are leaders in this world where they are only thinking about themselves. They are only thinking about the end goal. They are only thinking about how do I make my investors happy? How do I make my shareholders succeed? And they they lose sight of the thousands of employees that they have. But when you have a leader that says, hey, I'm going to be there for the people that I hire. And I'm going to make this an organization where they feel like they are contributing to something better that is a leader that you want to work for. And that's going to politics, it's going to so many different aspects. But that, that, that book, it struck me as well. So I gave you sort of two different examples there. Um, but the, the overarching theme is that you were there for someone else. You were there making a difference in someone else's life. And through that you not only feel like you have found a calling but you feel like you have found this 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 inner happiness that you probably haven't found in quite some time so that's that is my roundabout answer to the uh losing yourself right there adam
1: yeah yeah it's funny cuz i can remember i mean it must have been 4 or 5 years ago when you told me about yeah. the hospitals yeah. and, and yeah, it was you, a while ago <laughs> That was, I think that was a, a huge moment of, of your life where, you know, you, you really found something with service, with really sort of losing yourself in, in your patients and the people that you're looking to serve. And I, from, from that moment on, I could tell that you really committed to, to yeah, this idea of, yeah, of, of medicine, of, um, alleviating other people from their, from their struggles and from their suffering. And, and that's, that's essentially the same idea with what I practice. I don't have a great way to explain what I do, but, but I guess one of the techniques or the ideas is this idea of logotherapy. We we've talked about Viktor Frankl, uh, who, you know, for, he's a great example of, again, this idea of, of the calling or of purpose. And after, after he was a uh, sort of an esteemed psychologist and psychotherapist, I believe in Vienna and, and he was, yeah, deported to the concentration camps throughout, uh, throughout Europe. Um, and he was put into a lot of struggle and a lot of suffering and, and in these moments, he found a new, a new sort of calling and a new sort of purpose. And he he didn't get to choose. You know, hey, I I would love to go play golf tomorrow, or I would love to go play tennis, or wouldn't it be fun to go to go uh, play some video games, or or just go go to the theater you know he he got he got thrown and thrust into that situation and he had really no choice in the matter and and this is why in some ways this idea of purpose or i really like the word calling because just like from your experience taylor when working at the hospice and and recognizing that well if i don't spend an hour sitting next to this person and being with them, nobody else is going to do it. And, and that is a terribly important thing here because that's, that's, I think where we start to see this separation between purpose and passion, because passion is something that looks a lot like, oh, Hey, this is really fun for me. And I really enjoy this. And I'm so good at, I'm so good at soccer. I'm so good at, ping pong, or I'm so good at uh, uh, math, or I'm so good at video games, or I'm really good at this. And, and, and I mean, maybe, maybe it's not so much that you're a rock star at it, but maybe even it's challenging. It's like when you and I played basketball, it's not like we were, it's not like we were NBA players, but we were good at it. It was challenging. It was fun. And, and we enjoyed it. We were passionate about basketball, but it wasn't necessarily like something was calling us to to do that and that's really where this idea of you know again victor frankl who he got put into a situation in these concentration camps as you know one of these sort of um undesirable people that got put away unfortunately and 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 instead of him sort of crawling up and saying i didn't deserve this this isn't fair come on why why are other people out there getting to to enjoy their lives and live their lives and they get to go they get to go to the opera or they get to go to the theater or they get to they get to play soccer uh or football or
0: whatever yeah it's easy it's easy to get that victimhood mentality exactly yeah, you know, he he sort of took that moment
1: as a calling to to ease the suffering of those around him, and I could really tell back then, Taylor, that 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 was a moment when you were when you were doing some of those um, sort of that that practical work and uh, various um, internships and ex- and sort of jobs and, and various things. You were sort of exploring these different things and discovering what really spoke to you. And, and that's a story I've heard you tell from time to time, the hospice work. I can tell that for you, that was a moment where, again, you sort of put yourself aside, your wants, your desires, your needs, and, and said, this is, this is a little bit of what I'm, what I'm called to do here. And I can't, I can't necessarily, I can't, I can't ignore this. Um, So, so, you know, Taylor, I wanna I wanna talk about one of one of my favorite books on this topic real quick. And it's idea of it's called the Second Mountain, and it's by David Brooks. And and we could talk quickly about some of these different stages of life. Because I want to make this practical for, for people that are listening. Cause you might be able to identify, you know, whoever you are right now that's hearing me, you might be able to identify where am I? And, and where am I on this journey? And what I would, what I would tell you to sort of calm yourself and, and ease yourself on this journey is remember, you know, life is, life is sort of a, a windy road and, there are different stages and different seasons in life where you might find yourself. And so maybe try and pinpoint where you might be on this journey. And Taylor, I'd love to, you know, if you want to throw in some examples and and other stuff throughout this, I'd love to hear them. Um, Right. So the first sort of phase is this idea of the first mountain. And again, the book is called The Second Mountain. So the first mountain, as you're going through life, you you are sort of climbing, if you will, this, this first mountain. And in today's day and age and in our society that we're in, people are sort of telling you, Oh, do what you enjoy, do what you love, do whatever you want. The world's, the world's your oyster. You can, you can do anything, follow your dreams, follow your desires. You know, what do you enjoy? What's, and, and it's essentially sort of, yeah, you, 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 Me, 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 all about sort of individualism and, and who am I and what do I want? And, and also sort of, you know, uh, you know, don't ignore your family, ignore your friends. You know, you gotta, you gotta go after what you want and, and ignore all that other stuff. And it's all really about your individual personal freedom and, and you sort of being, Uh, your own special, your own special person. And, and as you're climbing this first mountain, it's many things that some of us have experienced. Um, And for me, this, this, this speaks so true. You're, you're playing sports, you're, you're, you're going to school, you're, you're, you're learning things, you're better, faster, stronger, smarter, you're sort of improving yourself And, and at the top of this mountain, as you're summiting it, you, you know, there's something up here. Maybe it's, maybe it's graduation, maybe it's a degree, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, getting your first job and, and a job that pays you a lot of money or, or at least pays you enough to get your own apartment or your own car, or, or, you know, you're getting your, your own your own television your own uh, phone these sort of things and your 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 boyfriend or your girlfriend or your your partner or your significant other and you, and some people it's a lot of material success it's it's a lot of material things that are yours and and sort of nobody else's it's your own personal freedom and when you reach the peak of this there's something that's just not satisfying about it. There's something that's just leaves you leaves you somewhat unsatiated, unfulfilled, and and feeling like, hmm, something's something's missing here. So Taylor, maybe we could spend a little bit of time just talking about, you know, if you if you resonate with that first mountain experience. I'd love to hear, I I could share something later, and and I'd love to hear your experience with sort of this first maybe stage in life.
0: Yeah, you know, this kind of goes into developmental psychology a little bit. You know, I think you'll notice a lot of people in middle school, you know, they are in that stage in life where they can only sort of think about themselves. They are thinking about what I want to do in life that makes me happy uh, today. Right, think think it in the moment. Right, they want to be good at basketball, like you said. They want to do X, Y, or Z, and they're not quite thinking about the community at large because you don't really start developing that empathetic mindset until a little bit later in life, until you kind of uh, approach approach middle high school years. Um, so this is this is a difficult a difficult time for a lot of a lot of middle schoolers because there are so many young people that uh, I'm going to say the term bullied you know they are and and a lot of times the bully-er doesn't quite understand the repercussions of his actions because they're sort of incapable of seeing themselves in another person's shoes um, not to not to uh, uh, explain away uh, someone who's uh, been, been, been bullied hard in their life but That's sort of a concept. Sorry about the plan above me. (laughs) Um, But I will say that over time, you do develop that empathy. And people look back at their actions, they reflect, and they are able to to find joy in being there for someone else. So that first stage, it's common to not really know what it means to empathize. Um, So... Why don't you talk about that? Why don't you talk about the second stage or maybe give me an example, Adam, on the first stage a little bit?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is something that I, I, after reading this book and and reading another book by David Books called The Road to Character, you know, I, I really personally resonate with this because for a lot of people when you're young let's say you're you're growing up you're in your your teens and you're you're maybe even in your 20s there's things that you're like really working towards you know you're working towards uh yeah again graduation towards getting these jobs getting these internships being self self self-dependent or independent you you move out from your parents. You're making money. Um, these sort of things, and I, I I recognize that for me, I I sort of had this this sort of um, this quick experience with a lot of this stuff where uh, I felt like I sort of with with basketball, I feel like I I reached not a peak, but I reached a really high level in the sport where. I was really in, in many ways, I was really satisfied with, with my skills. Um, same thing with same thing with like high school. High school ended off with really good grades. I had like all of senior year getting getting perfect grades and then getting some scholarships to go to school and and those sort of successes and accomplishments. And then all throughout university. I I really I had a I had a situation where I had to make a choice between okay my a lot of people in my family were were engineers or, or doctors and and so forth and so I had to make a choice about if I was going to go into that or if I was going to go into um, yeah something else and I I had moments of thinking about psychology I thoughts about technology. And and then I had thoughts about business and, and I decided to go into technology and business and do a, do a mix of this. And my dad said to me, you know, well, there's a lot of people that go into business. And so if you're going to, you're going to go into this field you you have to be, you know, almost one of the one of the top students. You you gotta get almost perfect grades. And and I sort of took this as a charge. And yeah, basically from my senior year of high school through all four years in college, I I essentially got perfect grades, not a single B. And and I had internships and I was able to to work each summer and work during school and and save money and I had some of these scholarships and I I moved away from home and I was living by myself and so I had this very quick you know in a matter of 3 4 years where I I accomplished a lot of things that I don't know a lot of people maybe it takes them a long time to to move away from home to to sort of be self self self-dependent or independent and for me all of a sudden these things these things sort of came and some of these things i didn't believe were possible and wasn't sure when they were going to happen and then all of a sudden they all of a sudden they happened so quickly and and the funny thing was is again i as i summited the first mountain as i as i hiked up it I was accomplishing these things and they were really tough and really challenging at times. And then I got to sort of the peak of, you know, I, I got perfect grades and graduated luckily without without any student loan debt and had a little bit of money saved. and And I had some job offers and everything was looking super bright. And yet I found I wasn't really sort of Content. I wasn't really happy with it. I wasn't feeling very satisfied or fulfilled from, from all of these things that I had done. And, and I think what came clear to me was that I did all these things, basically for myself. And, and sure, you know, I wanted to wanted to, yeah, you know, get a good job and be able to support myself. And I wanted to make my family proud. But at the end of the day, it was a, it was really all just, just for me, for my future, for my, for my safety and security. And, and there was something that at the end when I reached, reached this pinnacle, I was sort of, yeah, deeply unsatisfied with it. Um, And so, so Taylor, I don't know. I'm curious, did you have sort of a similar experience with, with anything like that? Or have you, have you stumbled into a situation?
0: Uh, you know, I think you and I had a little bit of a different, um, obviously we have different experiences, you know, and I think that this wouldn't have been a, these these would not be as fascinating conversations if we didn't have those differences, you know, for me on the other hand, like I knew, uh, I knew probably since I was 17, junior in high school that I wanted to go into medicine. So I was, I've had this, this goal, you know. I wanted to help people I had I had this goal that I wanted to achieve um, and and I did that I went into to to, to college uh, as a pre-med major and you know just chugged away I did not get perfect days <laughs> like you but you know you work hard and I felt at that time that that was my purpose and I felt like the, the best thing that I could do in this life was to be there for others that was my calling and I feel lucky in the sense that I knew what I wanted to do from the very beginning. Uh, I struggled. I failed. I rose back up. And there was many a challenge. You know, I think any any person who wants to go into healthcare field and takes those prerequisites uh, knows exactly those challenges that they want to overcome. And and it's not easy. You know, and I graduated college, uh, worked in physical therapy for a while, and, and, and went to graduate school. And that's... It's all been with the same goal in mind. It really is. And I think that, I think that the best comparison that I could make is during when I was in PA school, um, I, you find the field that resonates with you the most. So at first I thought that I wanted to go into family medicine. That was something that I felt I could make the biggest contribution by being there for families, for children as they age, and, and there's nothing more special than to form those connections with, with a person over their lifetime and just to care for them. I was uh, surprised to find that that was, in fact, not the, the most enjoyable profession for me. And everyone's different. Everyone finds different avenues of, of joy. I found something I enjoyed in emergency medicine during that rotation I found something I enjoyed during OBGYN and that rotation. And they're all starkly different. I liked surgery. I liked, uh, I liked working in orthopedics and these are all just so different. And in the end, I, I did choose to work in sports medicine, orthopedics, uh, with a spine specialty. And that, that's something that I found to be enjoyable for me. And, Working with people in chronic pain is is something that I feel like I can make a great con- contribution. Um, but everyone's different. Everyone's going to have a different winding road. I know people in emergency medicine that love it, especially now with the coronavirus. Right now, it is insane. Anyone in healthcare, it's insane. Every, all the in my clinic right now, uh, all elective surgeries have essentially been canceled. So we've been having to do telemedicine and. And, and to be there for, for our patients, and there's these challenging roadblocks that uh, we have to overcome. But in life, you find that the grass is not always greener. A lot of people will work uh, their first job at a graduate school, PA school, medicine, uh, work two years, decide, I don't like this specialty, and then change. Uh, one of the perks of being a physician assistant is that I could do that if I wanted to. But... People change, and they go to a different job, and they think this is it. This is the job that I've always wanted, and then they find out that it also has its own unique set of challenges. And not everything is perfect because there are ups and downs in life. There are ups and downs in everything that you do. And I know we're we're not quite at that uh, the end of the pyramid. You know, we haven't really quite reached. Uh, older age individuals. Um, but I want to challenge someone who's in their forties or fifties. Okay. And yes, we're not at that stage in life yet, but I can, from my perspective, maybe give some insight. Let's say that you're working a job that provides some money. You're doing well, maybe you're not doing well, but you're providing for your family, but you hate your job. You hate your job. And you say, how can I find any purpose? How can I find any passion and what I'm doing. And I challenge you to say, you know, there are, there are funny ways that you can trick your mind into looking at things just a little bit more optimistically. You're making money to provide for your family. Is your family not your purpose? Is your family not your passion? And you are making ends meet to provide for them. And you could say that you're, you're a salesman. And you say, how do I find purpose in selling a house? Right? I'm a real estate agent. How do I find purpose in selling a house? I mean, I'm just, I'm selling something to make some money. And you can even find a salesman who says like, I'm lying to myself just to sell this home. But you know what? That's a home that someone can raise a family in. That's a home that you are, are providing to someone so that they can live their life in. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And there are ways of looking at things that, that are just like that. It's not as easy as just saying, I sell a car and therefore I'm not happy. But man, that car can be the way that that person gets to their job to make money so they can get home and provide for their family. So I challenge everyone to see a little silver lining in everything that they do. And that there is something to be uh, proud of in their work. And maybe if it's really not something they love and they're not finding any silver lining, maybe maybe changing a job is appropriate. I don't know. That's up to you. That is your own decision, your own unique set of circumstances. But at the same time, life has twists and turns and there's something to be thankful for in everything that you do. There's something to be proud of in everything that you do in this life. Even if it's difficult to see right now, it is there. And a lot of times we cloud ourselves and we, we only see the negatives. We only see, well, like you said earlier, Adam, what about uh, these people? You know what, And you, you think it's just kids who say that? You'd be surprised, You'd be shocked and no, it's not. It's, it, it's adults who say, "You know, well, hey, I'm a doctor, and I make 200 grand a year, but my friend over there is making 400 grand. Like where does it end? You are constantly comparing yourself. It's a part of that tribal nature that we have. It's part of being accepted in your groups. And you constantly see the grass as a greener. But I just challenge everyone to just take a pause. Take a breath and just look at your life and say, hey, it's okay. I'm actually doing pretty good right now. And maybe I'm not saving the world with a new drug. Maybe I'm not curing cancer. Maybe I'm not an astronaut going to the moon. But what I do matters. What I do truly matters. Even if it's just to, to a small amount of people, it does. So I challenge everyone to look at things in that mentality and to look at things in that life because that's how you find your calling. So anyways, that was a, a little a little detour I took there, Adam. Um, but continue on with the, with the mountain metaphor, my man.
1: Yeah, so you know once you once you sort of I'd say this first mountain that you you start off with in life you're sort of being well maybe pushed and pulled and and you know by by expectations of society and what are the the indicators and the markers of of this material success or again, your own personal individualized success. And by the time you make it up this mountaintop, by the time you reach the peak, you're left with this feeling of, "Huh, well, <laughs> I've I've finished or I've accomplished these big these big goals, these big dreams, these things that I really wanted to do, and somehow." It, what uh, this, this wasn't, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. What, what happened here? And how, why is it that I feel this way? I I, I thought this was going to be different. And this is sort of where you, you really sort of, you could say you, you stumble down into the valley and the valley that lies between the first and the second mountain is a, is a, is a tough point where, you know, you've almost kind of fallen off the first peak and you, you've, you've, sort of stumbled your way down and had some had some bruises where you you said why why did I do all of this and what is this for and I I thought these I worked so hard for these things and they weren't they weren't really what I thought they were going to be uh and and when you've you you've stumbled down you know there's you suffered some suffered some injuries here where we're now you're you're sort of questioning what you've what you've built up and the what what brooks says in the book is you know that basically the the people who have been made larger and greater by their suffering are the ones that as they've stumbled and fallen off of the first mountain they're brave enough and courageous enough to let parts of their old self die they let these old parts go. They maybe decide to to give up something from their past because they realize, huh? Uh, just it wasn't it wasn't really what I thought it was going to be. I I see that that actually doesn't really do it for me. And I I, I don't know about you, Taylor. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I, I for me I I had a period after high school and after college where I I mean I gave up. I really gave up basketball for, for a while. I gave up, uh, a lot of, um, yeah, like video games, uh, movies. Um, I, I was sort of, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really sort of, I I gave up sort of working with the fraternity for a little while. Uh, and I, in, in this Valley, and as you sort of stumble down, you, you end up in a moment, some of us do, in a moment of sort of despair where you feel sort of lost and you're sort of, wow, what what was all of this for? And if you're able to sort of uh, move on from, from the past and put the past where it belongs behind you and sort of start again, you see that your your motivations change. And and people tend to go from sort of self-centered to other centered. This is again as sort of a term from the book, but this idea that you go from me, 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 and what's good for me, and what do I like and what do I enjoy to to other centered? And what what do I really what do I care about that's that's out there and And the idea here is, is that in order to sort of, um, start this, start this hike and start this, this summit up the second mountain, you, you have to let some, some baggage go. You have to, to let some things out of your backpack. So I'm curious, Taylor, did did you have a point in your life where you, you sort of had to let some things go and sort of let some old parts of your, your old self die so that you could, could free yourself to summit the, the sort of the second, the
0: second mountain? Of course. I think that everyone sort of goes through a moment like that, and maybe not everyone, in the same way, right? And you could even say that sometimes it takes hitting rock bottom to understand what matters in your life. What is important? You know, what really matters in life are the people in it. You know? And I had let friendship slip away. I was so focused on school. I was was so focused on my purpose and my passion. I felt that in order to be there for someone else in the best way that I could, I needed to study medicine. But in doing that, I spent so many hours studying, which is what I needed to do. It was, but... Without even realizing it, I had let I had let friendships slip away. I I let them float away, and and I wasn't understanding what it is that I did. But you know, to to have a friend, you got to be a friend, and you got to be there. And and you know, five years since, you know, several years since, the amount of the relationships that I've built in my life are some of the most profound, important people. My family, my relationship with my family my sisters is stronger. My relationship with you, Adam, is stronger. My relationship with everyone that I went to school with in Kentucky is stronger. The relationship I had with childhood friends is stronger. And every new person that enters my life, I welcome with a full heart. And I understand that being there with them might be the most important thing in my life. Because community is everything. Because you, you don't find that true happiness until you get that community. And so I, you graduate college, you get accepted into graduate school, and you're thinking, God, shouldn't this mean more? But when you have people there cheering you on and supporting you, it just means that much more. When you feel like you're doing this not alone, but with someone that cares for you, it, it, it means everything. It means everything. And everyone has a different version of that story. It doesn't have to be breakup. It doesn't have to be something traumatic that has happened to you. It doesn't have to be a loss of a loved one. But you lose things in life and you replace them. And over time, I just swear, I feel like everyone comes around to saying, it's the people in my life that matter. And what I do in this life has to serve them. Because why am I doing it then? Am I doing it for myself? Why do I want to go into medicine? Am I doing this for me? Or am I actually doing this for someone else? And you ask those questions and you finally come around to saying, Hey, it isn't for me. It's for them. So, I don't know. Every every Everyone goes through a process like this. It's, it doesn't happen immediately, but it happens eventually. You know, people lose loved ones. People lose... It's could be a dog. People lose things in their lives, and they replace them. And you feel like you are so stuck. Like you just cannot climb out of that mountaintop until something changes. And you, then you start getting that victimhood, like me, 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 et cetera, et cetera. But when you get around to saying, hey, it's the people. It's the people in my life that matter. And I'm happy because they're happy. Now that right there, that's, that's everything that you could ever want since then like this is you know i've i've never felt better in my life than these last couple of years and I, I i feel so much joy and energy just knowing that these people in my life care for me and that i can give them something that makes them smile even if it's just being there even if it's just calling them and saying hey man merry christmas and i have this habit of a I reach out to to hundreds of people uh, during the holidays because I feel like everyone should at least hear Merry Christmas or Happy Thanksgiving once. You know, I think people, people appreciate that. And there are so many people that go their entire day without having anyone reach out to them and say, hey, Merry Christmas, man. I hope you have a great day. Just a text like that can change someone's life for the better and they feel like they're not alone anymore you know and i think that's one of the biggest changes for me is i I don't everyone does things for themselves but god i sure do a lot more things for other people these days and i get a lot more joy out of it
1: yeah yeah that's true (laughs) Uh, taylor i almost almost like clockwork Uh, i get i get messages from taylor almost every major holiday with a lot of love and appreciation, and gratitude from you. And it, it's, it's really incredible. Cause I mean, I, I think over the years in, 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 my contact book, um, on whatever, you know, Facebook or LinkedIn, or even in my phone contact book, I think I know, you know, a few thousand people and you're one of the, one of the, only people that consistently reaches out. And it's, it's truly incredible um, how you're really, you've been dedicated to this for such a long time to sort of these small acts of, of kindness. And it's just, I, I believe it's, it's truly inspiring. And, you know, so there's, there's this moment when you're, when you're in the valley in between the two mountains and again, the motivation changes you've, you've, you've essentially suffered a lot of bruises to, to yourself, to your ego, where you've recognized that a lot of these things that you've done didn't really, didn't really please you, didn't really make you happy. And, and if you, if you so choose to, to move on from it, you've gone from self-centered to other-centered. And, and, you know, what, what happens here is the question changes from what do I want from life? What do I want from the world? What makes me happy? What makes my life better? To what What does the world need from me? What do, what do my friends and my family need from me? What would make other people happy? Uh, what is it that I do? What is it that what is it that speaks to me that I'm able to sort of genuinely do to, to just make, make others smile, make others happy. Uh, And, and this sort of question of what does the world want from me? It's this again, this idea of a calling. And what's important here is you've been able to sort of, by by falling off the first mountain and suffering some of these these sort of these injuries to the to the ego and to the self, you're able to to hear again. You're able to sort of hear what's what the world is is asking of you and what really speaks to you. You know, for Taylor, I I, I think there's a good thing here that I'd like to ask you, but for me, you know, like I I was able to, through my experience with sort of, uh, with with having divorced parents, uh, with sort of experiencing so much prosperity uh, along the West Coast, and and just being in a in a really um, a really hardworking and also lucky and, and and fortunate family, I was able to experience so much sort of uh yeah sort of success and an opportunity at a young age that for me this feeling of uh somehow I don't know what it was but this feeling of dissatisfaction or this feeling of huh you know all these things they're just not something's missing here and and that I was able to sort of listen to this in, in the valley and and listen to myself and sort of see that what was important for me and and my values was using some of these techniques from from Victor Fankel and, and logotherapy, psychotherapy, psychology, and and then sort of molding it all together into the coaching space. And the guidance space to to help other people find find what they need, be able to hear themselves, listen to themselves, get in touch with their sort of their heart, their gut, their their inner voice, and that's something that I, I struggled with for a really long time, and and it took me a long time to really be able to to come into connection with with sort of this. Yeah, what is it that that I'm meant to do? But I found that people came to me to to seek me out for these sort of conversations, and I somehow, due to my development, due to my experience, due to whatever, I was able to be there for them and create space for them and to 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 ask questions, ask sort of somehow the right questions. And, and give them my time, give them my attention, uh, sort of really put them at the center of my attention and let them know that I, that I truly cared about them and, and somehow put me aside for them to know that I was, I was really present and, and there for them. And after enough people told me, you know, wow, this conversation changed my life. This was so this is so I don't know what it is, but it was so good. And thank you so much, Adam. After enough people kept telling me this, it was so clear that this is this is somehow what I'm called to do. And and again, I don't know exactly what it's called, but this sort of coaching guidance, and then the what Victor Frankel calls logotherapy, which is essentially bit of psychology, therapy, and then asking the right questions to help people find sort of meaning in their life, that for me was, was, I could see that how much better this made people's lives. And the funny thing was, is that by having these conversations with people, by practicing what I practice, it was, it was making me incredibly fulfilled, incredibly content and so Taylor, I know, I know you've had some stuff with, with, um, you know, your sister, Brittany and, and, and some of your experiences, but I'm curious, you know, how, how, um, how you were sort of able to, to nail down on medicine and, and sort of being with people and alleviating them from their struggles. And I, I'm, I'm assuming it has something, I mean, I think it's really tied to something that, that probably happened and it could have been a period of really struggle and suffering for you that, 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 that pain, that struggle, that suffering somehow that was actually the, the compass that pointed you in what direction to go.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, uh, my older sister was diagnosed with cancer when she was, uh, just a teenager and um going through that process it was lung cancer going through that process with her it was a long arduous arduous process and it was tough it was tough for me it was tough for the family um and she made it out she's doing great right now and but that's why i wanted to go into medicine that was that was the calling card i needed you know something that makes more sense (laughs) if i brought that up earlier in the conversation but uh That's why at 17 I wanted to go into medicine. That's why everything that I did in my life was guided towards being there for someone else because I felt like I felt powerless. I felt powerless in that moment. Like I could do nothing for her. I could do nothing but be there. And in the end, I realized that was all I needed to do. But at the same time, I felt like I. I, I needed to do something. I needed the power, the tools, to be able to help the people I love in my life the best that I can. To me, that meant medicine. But over the years, as I've as I've as I've gotten older, and you have life experiences that shape you and alter you, I, you know it's funny. And I'm, I, I know ten years from now, I'm going to be thinking something completely different. But right now, I feel like just talking to people, you know, that, that right there might be the best skill that you and I have, Adam, and actually knowing how to be there for other people when they're going through pain. That is a a skill that any of us can develop, but communication is, is one of the most important things that we can develop in this lifetime and people go through pain and they need someone to be there for them. And so many times, if someone is struggling, if if someone is going through strife and anguish in their life, they just need someone to be there for them. They need someone to listen. And not enough of us know how to listen. Because at the end of the day, communication is not just about talking. It's about listening. And it's about being there. And one of the things that really helps others, I think I've made more (laughs) contribution in medicine just being there for my patients than I have for the actual medicine part. And a lot of times, it means just sitting there and listening to them and being there. That's what communication really is. That really is. And you say, uh, describe what you do. Is it kind of a quasi-therapy? you know. In, in a way, that's a lot of what I do too. That's a lot about what a lot of us do. If you're trying to be there for a friend or a family member or a loved one, just be there and listen. That's what they mean. People need to be heard. And you'd be surprised how many times after just sitting there and listening to someone, you're not interrupting, you're letting them talk. You're letting them talk, you're listening, you're being there. You would be surprised by the amount of people that will come away from that conversation saying, Hey, I needed this. You could say that we're being therapists, but that's not quite what we're doing. We're just listening. We're just being there. And we'll interject a little bit of advice. Uh, and the best way I could say this is reframing. And I brought this up in our first episode. The concept or uh, the concept of reframing is the most important thing that I think I can do on this, on this planet here. Uh, well, I don't know. That might change. <laughs> Ten years from now, like I said, it's all going to change. But a lot of times people have this way of looking at life and it's skewed, and it's altered, and the only person they have to talk to is themselves, and their mind can only manufacture so many uh, versions of of life. Uh, they look at an event that has traumatized them. They've gone through trauma. Something has hurt them. They take that experience and their minds at the mind is, has a funny way of just shaping trauma into this in this way where you cannot escape. It's a box. It's a prison. It's a prison and people need a way of looking at what has happened to them in a different way. And what that takes is you to listen to them, to really understand what it is that they're going through, to understand how they're viewing an event in their life. And then you say, hey, thank you for sharing. Let's look at that event just a little bit differently. And you give them A different way of looking at that event, and that can transform someone's life. That's what you do for a living, Adam. That's how I've made the most impact in my life. Is you take things in, you say, "Hey, let's just change things a little differently. Let's look at this in a different way." And I'm not telling you right now that this is going to fix you. I'm not telling you right now that you're not going to have pain. But I can tell you that if you change just the way you look just a little bit, you can look at things just a little bit differently. And over time, I'm telling you, you're going to be happier. But it takes work and it takes effort and it's not easy. Kind of a lot like meditation. A lot of people don't know how to quote unquote accept the moment, let it go, and take in the next moment. Meditation's difficult. But communication essentially is what guides us in this life social creatures, after all, and, and community is everything. It's purpose. It's passion. So if you're saying, I don't know how to be there for my loved one, I'm in a relationship, and she's struggling, or he's struggling, and I don't know what I can do, what I, what I advise to you is just listen. And don't say anything. Just sit there and take it in. Let them talk to you. And, they, and you'll be surprised that they will let you talk afterwards. So that's what I would say, Adam.
1: Yeah. You know, this, this, this sort of the Valley and the, the beginning ascent of the second mountain is, is really characterized by, you know, really giving a, giving yourself a chance to, to know yourself and and sort of hear yourself. And, and again, at the beginning of life, there is so many things that are being thrown your way, with school and activities and family and sports and uh, what, whatever is happening in your world and in your and in your beginning years in life. There is it's almost there is almost so much clutter and so much noise that's taking place that it's it's almost impossible to really get connected to what the world is is pulling and calling you to do and to really hear that and to even sort of hear yourself on a deeper level what really speaks to you. And when you sort of fall into the valley and you're you're maybe getting close to climbing that second mountain, you finally have had a chance to to hear what's what's there for you. I know for me that one of the best things I could do was sort of uh, explore and, and take some time to really, to really uh, probably since, since graduation, you know, to, to take, to take some different opportunities and really get to listen to myself and, and the world and see what's really out there instead of being bombarded by the noises of, of is being thrown my way. and, and then through traveling the last few years and, and being out there, I got to really see what's what's happening with the world, what's happening with, with people. And I think one of the big things that calls a lot of people right now are, are topics like climate change or, or animal suffering or, or these sort of things. And and i think again it's <laughs> people probably aren't going to be super passionate or have a lot of fun working on climate change or, or animal suffering but maybe they had some sort of firsthand experience with it and they just couldn't they couldn't turn away from it they couldn't they couldn't just you like a lot of things of life they just pass by and and they don't stick with you but some things for some reason they touch you on such a level that you just can't you can't turn away from them, and for me, again, it just became so clear that in our modern society, where we have so much prosperity, so much wealth, so much freedom, so much opportunity and possibility, you know, for for so many of us, we can we can uh, fly anywhere. We can we have this supercomputer in our pocket. We have exotic food and fruits from around the world at any moment of the day whenever we want it but for some reason people are still not sort of satisfied and content with how they're living and for me it became so clear that you know somehow I could I could help alleviate people from this from this suffering and the first step is moving away from What, what pleases me, what pleases you, what do you enjoy? And again, you can, if you, if you listen to yourself clearly enough and you really get connected to what is the world calling me to do, uh, you're going to, you're going to love working on that. You're going to enjoy it and you're going to lose yourself in it. And, and you're just, you're just going to have such an awesome time climbing that second mountain sometimes it might really be sad and and really uh you know the cause you might be working toward, or the people like Taylor, like you said with the people that you lost it it might it might sort of be really incredibly sad to to do what you're doing sometimes, but it's so obvious to you that you you must you're called to do it, and so that's why you really find that that purpose and that that joy climbing the second the second mountain because it really speaks to you and i want to just give a, a few examples here again i, I mentioned victor frankel a few different times and that's a very clear one of he was thrown into a situation I, I don't know exactly how old he was but you have to remember for a lot of people and i bet a lot of people listening right now you might not be thrown into one of these situations where you're called to do something until much later in life uh and especially if you're if you're not if you're sort of maybe focused on some of some of the wrong things but one person here would be Frances perkins um, she was the first woman appointed to to a uh, cabinet post uh in uh, uh franklin Delano roosevelt um administration in U.S. history. And she dedicated her life, I mean, and it wasn't so much a huge declaration, but it was so clear to her. She dedicated her life to workers' rights. After, uh, in 1911 in New York City, um, she, she basically witnessed firsthand and was completely powerless and another word that you use Taylor powerless in your, your sister's situation. And with some of my situations too, I felt powerless and she was powerless as she watched 47 people, uh, basically who were stuck in the triangle shirt factory, where they were making clothing, making shirts, a fire had started in the factory building and they didn't have great, um, emergency escape routes and and ventilation systems and this sort of stuff and fire systems and essentially uh the escape routes were were blocked or not available and and so people were dying inside this building and 47 people instead of burning they decided to basically jump jump out the out the window and so She watched this firsthand when it was completely powerless to do anything against it. And so for her, just like Viktor Frankl, she, this was so powerful for her that it was so clear that she was, she had to do something about this and she dedicated the rest of her life to working to better, better the lives of, of workers and, and improve their rights. And a couple just fun sort of pop culture examples are, if anybody's a fan of like the Lord of the Rings or the star Wars series, you know, it, it's sort of silly. And it's, it seems like it's just a a movie or whatever, but, but, you know, if you look at the Lord of the Rings with, with Frodo, you know, he, I mean, life was pretty good. And, and, and when he started off the movie and, you know I don't think he really wanted to go off and deal with this whole situation deal with the ring and so forth but he didn't really have another choice he he had to do this for the betterment of of basically people in the, in the world and society and same thing if you look at like star wars and and Luke Skywalker for example you know he he was just sort of living life and hanging out. And he was sort of totally unconscious to the struggle and the suffering out there. And then all of a sudden, he was thrown into a situation where sort of the evil empire was was out there. And somehow, he had a way to do something about it. And again, it wasn't, it wasn't going to be fun. It wasn't going to be a, an easy peasy cakewalk. Yet yeah, he was he was called to deal with it. So if you if you look in any which way direction, a lot of books, a lot of movies, and some of the examples we've given here, there's often a moment where you just find yourself sort of awestruck by by an event. And and again, I, I don't want to get this lost into it's negative and it's sad and it's bad and it's awful. Again, a lot of things are are what you make them and what sort of meaning you give them. The idea here is that if you're if you're open to it, and if your your eyes are open, and you're looking and you're listening for for what is life asking of you, what does the world want and need from you? If you're open to that sort of question, you'll you'll find it. And it will very likely will be related to stuff that's happened to you throughout your life that has shaped who you are. And if you found yourself in a moment where you just felt totally helpless, totally unable to, to do anything, I think that's how I felt at different times with, with life. Taylor, you mentioned with, with your sister, Brittany and, and, and the cancer and, and, also just medicine and and being there for people. If you find yourself helpless in situations and really struggling and suffering, the paradox and the irony is, is that is likely going to point you exactly to to where you could head and what you could sort of put yourself toward that you would absolutely love and lose yourself in. So Taylor,
0: what what are sort of some... Concluding thoughts you you maybe have from me. Yeah, man. Uh, again, guys, this is it's a broad topic, and there's a lot to take in. Purpose and passion. At the end of the day, though, I think that being there for other people it's the secret sauce. That's the magic of the whole the whole shebang right here. When you provide for someone else in your life, or even someone you don't even know, when you find like you are contributing to something greater than yourself, that is where you find the real joy in life. When you are giving to your family, when you're giving to your friends, when you're giving to your business, when you're giving to society, when you're giving to others, life's better. You find a purpose that you have otherwise not even expected. I challenge everyone to look at it like that. When you give for others you find that you've given to yourself as well how about you adam what's the what's your takeaway yeah
1: it's definitely this for any of those that are, are feeling lost and confused out there I, I mean this is why this is why we call living sort of an art the life and and living this is really sort of an, an art style, and it is not—it is not uh, just straightforward and given. This is sort of the why, why the human experience is so is so full of twists and turns and ups and downs, and there's this paradox in here. And I would I would leave people with this idea of, in order to fulfill yourself how could you forget yourself in order to find yourself how could you lose yourself in order to be to be happy how could you give happiness and how could you create it for those in your life i loved what you said taylor of if you want to have a friend you got to be a friend and so a question where i might ask ask you that are you that's listening right now in this in these stages of climbing the first mountain or reaching the peak or falling into despair in the valley or starting to climb the second mountain where are you right now and if you could if you could really hear yourself and hear what the world's speaking to you at your core my question is what does the world need from you
0: what is it calling you to do today? Beautiful, man. I love it. And guys, give us suggestions. Uh, give us a topic that you want us to explore. We love hearing everything that you have to say. And we love that you are acting with us in creating this project that we're doing right now. What does it mean to pursue something? What do you want to pursue? Talk with us. You can contact me at Usenberg. On Instagram, and you can contact Adam. At pursuit of underscore better. Find us and let's let's talk. Let's make this something worthwhile. Thanks for talking, Adam.
1: Likewise, Taylor, and for everyone out there, be well.